Welcome to New in Nashville. This is your host, Elam Freeman. I'm a commercial real estate broker and yoga instructor based in Nashville, Tennessee, and I am a Nashville native who has spent time living in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. I have also traveled to all 50 states and visited nearly every U.S. metropolitan city bigger than Nashville. I am crazy about Nashville's growth and want natives, newcomers, and tourists to have the knowledge they need to keep up with our city's pace. In April's episode, we talk with Kaylee Willingham Barbas. Kaylee is the head of school at Blythe Templeton. Her responsibilities for Blythe Templeton model the responsibilities of the CEO of a startup. In our conversation, she discusses her background in experiential and innovative education. We also discuss Blythe Templeton's unique model and how it fits into the Nashville education landscape. If you are an urban living proponent or you are looking for a specialized education option for your family, you'll find this episode enlightening and informative. Today we are here with Kaylee Willingham Barbas, who is the head of school at New Nashville School, Blythe Templeton. Thank you, Kaylee, for joining us. Thank you so much, Elam, for having me. We're launching this fall, and I'm excited to share more about our school. Yeah, I had the pleasure of visiting a couple weeks ago and really excited to share with our listeners what you guys are doing and all the exciting and innovative things you are bringing to Nashville's education scene. Thanks. Yeah. And our building is phenomenal. So, yes. And we'll definitely talk about that. Um, So, just to jump right in, I would love to hear where you are originally from and um, what part of Nashville that you live in now. Yeah. So, I grew up in Franklin. I consider myself a Nashville native. People who grew up in Nashville do not consider Franklin (laughs) part of it. Um, And we currently live in Sylvan Park. Great. And why did you choose? I know you were just in D.C. before moving back recently. Why did you choose to move to D.C. in the first place and what ended up making uh, you decide to move back? Yeah. So, oh, gosh. Okay. So I went – I grew up here. I went to high school here, and then I went to the University of Tennessee for college, and I was part of the Teach for America Charter Corps. Um, So for those who aren't too familiar with Teach for America – The idea is, you know, you're placed in a high-need school for two years, um, but what people probably don't realize is that um, it takes the city about three years to raise the money for it, and Mayor Carl Dean raised the money in under three months. They thought that Nashville wouldn't be a city. You could rank it on there, (laughs) and um, it came out on a Monday, like the email that told you you were in, and it was like, you're headed to Nashville, and it was literally in the Tennessean the next day, Um, and so... (laughs) I came back and taught at Hillwood High School for three years, where I taught bio 1 and 2 AP. Um, And I just realized that, like, my kids couldn't read. And um, at that point, we were talking all about, you know, UT and how great college was. But at the same time, like, the ACT average was a 17, like, on a great day. And to get into UT, you really needed a 24 or 26 at that point. Um, And so I ran an ACT program and um, with this, like, group of boys that I had fallen in love with. So I had them for Biology 1, convinced them, and they would come in for tutoring every Wednesday. I convinced them to come back for Biology 2, and then we just prepped for the ACT. And it's crazy because they're all grownups now and, like, have real jobs and have been out of college a while. Um, 
but it was really awesome to see what could happen when his student got the supports they needed. Um, but you couldn't do it for everyone, and some of our kids came in not even reading on a grade, like reading on grade level, like couldn't even read on a middle school grade level. And so I just thought, man, like I have to get them before high school <laughs> because if you have an 11th grader who reads on a fourth grade reading level, it's almost impossible to catch up. And so I went to KIPP. And that year, our eighth graders had crazy, crazy results. So they had the highest Algebra 1 scores in the entire state. They outpaced Williamson County. Um, they grew 200% in reading, and they all left with physical science credit. And this was back before Kip had a high school. And so we sent them to, like, all these different schools. And um, for one of my kids, she ended up with a full ride at USN. And so she's a sophomore at Duke right now, um, which is great awesome because as an eighth grader, she was like, I want to go to Harvard. And, you know, Duke's pretty good if that was your goal. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so after that year, I was like, man, like, how could a whole school look like this? Like, innovate and make kids excited and make them fall in love with learning. And so I went to get my master's in public policy, um, and I just missed the classroom. And so Kip had to let go of a teacher mid-year and asked if I wanted to come back part-time. And so I got my master's in public policy and worked at Kip, which was insane. I would not recommend that. It was a lot of hours. But while I was getting my master's in public policy from Vanderbilt, I was connected with an alum who was reimagining what high school could look like. And so I got to help write a charter, and, and it, all of our kids would take computer science so they could pay for college. Like, if someone can code, their starting salary is like $60,000, $70,000. Um, and we were like, well, what if students went from, like, class to class and they got to choose their schedules and it was based on their interests and, you know, it was so flexible. We were meeting kids' needs. And so we wrote the charter. I went and testified before the school board my second year um, at Vanderbilt. They passed it. And so we moved to D.C. in order to make that school happen. And I was assistant principal there. Um and the first year, everyone owns everything, so I taught English, and I managed five people, and we were in startup mode, and our school won $10 million um, from Steve Jobs' wife as part of the XQ Super School Project. Wow. Um, and so Washington leadership was really reimagining what school could be. And so our second year, with that $10 million, um, what happened was I ended up piloting competency-based English. So all my students, I only had 10 that year. Um, and they went through the entire sophomore English curriculum in under four months. And so it got to be like, well, what do you want school to look like? Like, what do you think school should look like? And they wanted to take the SAT too, which sophomores like never do. <laughs> so they spent six weeks doing a deep dive on the Western Canon. Two of them threw up at the test site, but they did it. <laughs> Um, and then it got to be like, well, what do you want to do next? And they could all um, code. And so they wanted to create apps and write the data privacy policy that went with it. And their projects were phenomenal. So creating an app where you would put in a secret and someone else's secret would anonymously pop up. It didn't go viral, thank God. <laughs> it's really dramatic being in high school anyways. <laughs> um, and then another group, they like were like considered like quote unquote good students. So they made games and all of their, uh, they sent it to their classmates and their classmates just like gave away their data. They were like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> and so they presented it to an ethics group. Like we would go to Starbucks once a week, you know, they would hear guest speakers. Like it wasn't just about like four walls. Like it really was about like their interest in how we could apply school to the real world. And, um, 
And it like looked like college. And it didn't look that way for everybody. It just looked that way for 10 kids. And I thought, gosh, there's got to be something more. And at the same time, we came home to Nashville for Thanksgiving and all of our friends have started to have kids. And so they were like, where are the affordable private schools? Like, where are our options? If we don't send her to private school in kindergarten, will she even get in as a fifth grader? We're thinking about having a third kid. Do we move out to Brentwood? Like, <laughs> um, and we had friends who lived in East Nashville in the Lachlan Design Preferred Area. And because it's so popular, they actually moved to the west side to guarantee their kindergartner a spot at Percy Priest. Wow. And not everyone can afford to move like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, And it was just like, gosh, like Nashville's got to be doing something better. Um, And, you know, the last like big influx of private schools was really in the 1970s. Innsworth started their high school, um, which you're familiar with. Um, But they, like Innsworth itself, started in the 1950s. And so it's just been a long time since Nashville's seen a new school. And so the third time we had a conversation with friends that was like, where are options? What else could there be? I turned to my husband. We just had dinner at Hemingway's, and I was like, maybe this is how we come back. And he was like, well, you should reach out to Blythe Templeton because Blythe Templeton was located right next door um, to our favorite coffee shop in D.C. And so I, like, went on their website, and I was like, small class sizes, check. Like, experiential learning, check. Like, project-based learning, check. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is everything that's happening (laughs) and what I think it should look like, but a whole school. And I was like, I've got to get their finances. I've got to figure out how they're doing it. And so I went to write an email, and on their website it said, what should be the next city and why? And I, like, wrote a love letter about Nashville. And it was one of over 50 applications. They went from 50 cities to four, came down to visit um, exactly a year ago. (laughs) And then they went from four cities to two. So it was us and Raleigh-Durham came back Memorial Day. Um, And then they were like, okay, this is it. And that was in June. And so... Now here we are less than a year later. We have a school. We have our six we have over 65 students currently enrolled. We're fully hired for next year. Um, construction starts in two weeks. And so yeah, it's been a really wild year. Yeah, that's incredible. So. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure that we meant to move back from DC. Um, I always wanted to move back and my husband's job is flexible. Um but I also, like, needed to take a break from Nashville. And I needed to see, like, what else the world looked like. And, um, and yeah, we feel great to be back. And we feel really lucky. Um, but the time in D.C. was really, really special. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a, a neat place. And especially if you're teaching kids in that manner because there's such a wide array and offering of free field trip options and for sure um, yeah I know that's something I'll be curious to hear a little bit more about plans for Nashville for Blythe and how you guys uh are planning on kind of exposing the kids to the city where there's not like 20 Smithsonian's or how many (laughs) there are. I'm not sure how your experience was, but for us, it was like the holy trinity of field trips, right? Like you went to the Adventure Science Center, 
you went to the zoo, and then you went to some sort of performance, whether it was the Children's Theater or TPAC, right. and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's so different because, one, like there's so many different areas and so many different small things. Like, for example, part of our school, which we'll get into where it's located, but we chose it for its proximity to Wedgwood Houston with all those art galleries. And um, there's just so many like maker spaces. Like just within two square miles of us are three different maker spaces. Yeah. Um, so where students can work. And then there's just like a million different resources. So there's the Entrepreneur Center, there's the lab in Germantown. Um, and I think what Nashville doesn't have in like physical locations, we have in people mm-hmm. who are so excited to share with they're doing and their love for that and want students to come in and learn from them. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's a city where everything is so accessible. Like you said, all of those people are working and a lot of them living within two miles of your location in Sobro. So yeah, I guess that's a good lead in to why you guys chose your location in Sobro, which if you're not from Nashville, stands for South of Broadway, um, and is probably more commonly known for uh, high-end restaurants and uh, tall buildings with (laughs) uh, law firms and um, and that sort of thing. So I'm excited to kind of hear what the impetus was and for you to share a little bit more about the building specifically and the surrounding neighborhood and what attracted you guys to it. Yeah, so first we looked at over 30 buildings, Um, and part of our model is that it needs to be walkable or accessible by bus to a lot of different things, and so we really had to think through what, like, Nashville hasn't done a lot of living in the core. I think we've done a lot of working in the core, but it's not like a New York or D.C. where, like, people, like, live and work in the core. (laughs) And so we really had to be strategic with our location because um, you had to think, like, okay, if a parent is coming from, like, Oak Hill area, are they going to drive to the east side? The answer is, like, most West people are like, oh, the east side, which is so strange because the east side is, like, wonderful and awesome. And about half of our families come from there now. Um, But we had to think through that versus, like, people on the east side just expect to drive a little bit more. So we knew that we weren't going to cross the river. And then we looked a lot about traffic and future projects and what else is coming. So, like, we found this awesome location on James Robertson Parkway. the new jail was close by. And so that's not cool for kids. (laughs) Or like we loved a location. It was phenomenal. It was the old Nashville sports store and needed a lot of work, but it like backs up to the Nashville yards. Like there's no way we would have gotten approved for carpool down there. Right. And, um, and so ultimately, and one of my favorite locations was on second well, it was on 2nd Avenue, and we're on 2nd Avenue, too, but it was further down where it was one block off of Broadway, and I loved it, and, like, I loved all the history about it, and I was like, there are so many pedal taverns going by. Like, how am I going to convince a parent, like, <laughs> we're going to get your kid ready for college. Please just ignore the girl singing <laughs> Jesse, you know, like yeah. the 1980s song. Um, and please ignore that second one coming by at 11 a.m. Right. on a Friday, you know. And so we had to think about all of those things. And then you also have to think about sight lines and safety. So, um 
For example, we looked at a great building in the Gulch. Students would have had to walk under a bridge. And when you think about, like, a 10-year-old walking under a bridge and not being able to see the sight line on the other side, like, that gets scary. Um, And so ultimately, we ended up um, in Sobro, really in, like, the rolling mill area. So we're, like, off 2nd Avenue, and we're right across from the Howard School. Um, But it is the original medical school of Nashville. And so it was built in 1895, added on in the early 1900s. It's 19,000 square feet, has a parking lot. Um, We have been approved to run carpool in downtown Nashville. Um, I think the city was a little unsure of what to do with us at first because we're the first high school in downtown since Hume Fogg opened in 1912. It is crazy. And it was renovated in 2006 um, into offices, which work pretty well because part of our philosophy is that every student has a front row seat. And so there's only like 10 kids in a class and they're all around a harkness table. Um, And so they're working that way. Um, And it's just like a phenomenal location. Um, But there's there's been so much to learn. Like right now they're building um, like a condo right next to us, which is great because I hope more families will live in the core. But like we had a, a new student reception, and so then I have to go over and be like, excuse me, um, your construction workers are parked in our lot. <laughs> we actually need our space. Right. <laughs> you know, could you move your car? Um, but, yeah, we love it. And so it's less than a 20-minute walk to the library, and it's right across from a bus stop. And the big reason we chose it is because our goal is that this school looks like the city of Nashville. And so we wanted it to be accessible to all parts of Nashville, West Nashville, East Nashville, you know, the immigrant population that lives down Nolensville Pike and then North Nashville, that they could actually do that. And the city of Nashville is only 60 percent white. But when you look at so many schools, it looks like one race or another race. And there's not a truly we're working on it, but there's not very many diverse schools. Um, Valor does an excellent job. And USN has been really working towards that goal, too. Um but we really want to be a school that looks like the city. And so that has to start with location. Yeah, that's amazing. No, I think you're – and Sobro is, I think, one of the neighborhoods that it's like a blend of so much that Nashville represents. And even in the hotels, you know, I can see it. There's like the super artisan ones and then there's Margaritaville. So for better or worse, you know, some people see Nashville as Nash Vegas. And so right. it kind of is a uh, – just like – a bit of a catch-all, but in a good way because so much of Nashville, like we've talked about, is there's so many dividing lines. Mm-hmm. And I love to see the blend in that neighborhood that you can walk down the street and see so many different things that represent so many different elements and aspects of what makes Nashville Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Blythe Templeton and its founders and the background and kind of how it got sure. started in, um, in D.C. and then um, what ultimately helped them choose Nashville. Yeah. So Blythe Academy started over 40 years ago in Toronto, and they were sending students from Toronto to France every summer, and they could get high school credit while they studied abroad. And every summer, kids would come home, and they'd be like, wow, that was amazing. I wish that school looked like this. And finally, after enough summers, Sam Blythe, our founder, was like, why can't school look like this? And so our school's really based on three tenants that all go back to traveling abroad. So the first is the small class size, 8 to 12 students 
students in a class. And that's because when you're traveling abroad, you're with a cohort, you have these, you know, experiences with them, you build these relationships with them. And that's what we want to um, show in a classroom. And that's like with the relationships we hope that students have with their peers. Um, the second thing is, is when you're traveling abroad, you're so immersed in that experience. Um, and so we do a two-hour learning block so students can go really deep. They can do a lot of projects. They can feel immersed in that subject. Um, and they walk away with these like crazy, awesome, tangible projects um, that are so much more than like a normal class. So for example, we had a student who took psychology, and for her final project, she wrote a script about how her friends perceived her, how her parent family perceived her, and how she perceived herself. And then she actually produced the movie and made her classmates act it out. It was amazing. Wow. Um, versus, like, for most of us, psychology was one of seven classes. It was an elective. It was, like, something we checked off. Versus, like, she has such a deep understanding of, like, who she is as a person now. And then the third thing is students use the city as a classroom. And so by that, we mean sometimes we go on at least one excursion per class a week. And sometimes that means going to like a different place every week. But sometimes it also means about going on a um, – like going to a third place that really becomes an extension of your classroom. So like when we go to this space, like when our um, personal finance class like – goes and works in the Entrepreneur Center Cafe, like, this is where we think, like, business people. And so they might go and work there once a week. Every, like, Tuesday is their day. And the idea is that students start to perceive themselves as more than students. Um, and so <laughs> those are, like, the three big tenets. Um, and I think it's what makes life so special. Um, and it's the reason that we're the leading private school in Toronto. So we have 15 campuses in the Toronto area. We have a campus in Florence and Qatar. Um, and students can travel abroad there. They can also do global high school where they travel abroad for a year. Uh, which is a phenomenal program. Um, and then next year we'll launch in Nashville and Shanghai, which is wow. just so funny. Um, and then in terms of expanding to the States, um, Sam Blythe was interested in expanding to the States. He wanted to find the right partner. So he reached out to his friend. Um, and when he reached out to his friend, um, Tim Keller, our president, had literally just submitted a proposal um, about what quality affordable private schools could look like and was trying to convince his dad that, like, this was the next thing. And Sam and Dennis, Temp's dad, had done, like, one of those new leader cohorts, like, way back in the day. <laughs> and he was like, hey, I've got this idea. I want to expand to the States. You know, we've got this private school model. Like, do you know the right person? And Dennis, like, looked down at his desk and he was like, huh, I think I've got someone for you to meet. <laughs> and so that was five years ago that D.C. went into their planning year. Um, and so they now have, let's see, four, they've done four graduating classes. Um, and they work out of Eastern Market. It's like such a cool neighborhood in D.C. Um, and I don't know that they were thinking that they were going to expand. <laughs> um, but they had this, like, what's the next city and why up. And so um, – yeah, like I said, they got over 50 proposals, but they decided that they were going to go all in on the leader rather than choosing the place. And so, sorry, I get winded easily these days. <laughs> um, and so they had, um, yeah, so they gotten this, like, letter from me along with a bunch of others. And so they were like, well, maybe we should think about it. Maybe we should look. 
Um, and we started the conversation in November, and they came down in April, and they were like, Kaylee, I want you to spend 36 hours, like, we're going to spend 36 hours on the ground here. <laughs> Convince us why. <laughs> and they totally thought they were headed to New York. Yeah. And I was like, okay, and I'm living in D.C., and so I'm coordinating this back. Yeah. And... um. We we did so many different things. So what we did is I had written a lesson plan. Like if I were a teacher, a, a history teacher, and it was right around the time of Parkland, um, like how would I frame that to my students about like how do you become an activist in your own city and how has Nashville become an activist? And so we started our tour at a potential site, um, which was over in the Gulch, and then we did like all these different things that day, including uh, we saw, let's see, the Martin Luther King pictures, the We Shall Overcome photos were up, and it was the anniversary of his assassination. And so, like, to be there, to be—I mean, it was just so humbling and moving. Um, we had lunch at Woolworth. We went to the Civil Rights Room at the library. Uh, we talked about how it would relate to, like, right, what's happening right now um, and, like, what was Nashville's part in the Civil Rights Movement. But also, like, beyond that, like, how does Nashville continue to try to change? We saw a hat show print, which, you know, they're very— First ad was for Harriet Beecher Stowe's brother, who was a pastor at the Tabernacle, uh, you know, which is what the Ryman later became, or the Ryman was prior to becoming the Ryman. So we stopped by the Ryman. And then we also stopped by the Entrepreneur Center because I feel like Nashville wants to keep changing and growing and evolving. And some of our best ideas come out of there. Um, and then along the way, we ate really great food. So we had dinner at 404 Kitchen and, um, you know, Biscuit Love. I think that's what it's called. In yeah. The gulch. yeah, yeah. Um, and it had started as a food truck and then it became a, you know, yeah. restaurant. So it was like, here's an example of something you try and then it becomes something. And at the time, what I didn't realize is – I thought it was, like, just on the world's longest interview to be a principal. So I joke that we started the conversation in November. We didn't know until June. And so I spent longer really getting to know Blythe Templeton um, than I did deciding to marry my own husband. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, I'm from here, and I want to— I want to bring something great to the city and special to the city, and I'm only going to do this once. And so I wanted to make sure that their mission was really aligned with my mission and aligned to, like, the values of Nashville. And so that was our first visit. And then they were like, come back. <laughs> we want to see it again. <laughs> and so um, I don't actually remember all the things that we did the second time, but one of the things we did is um, someone hosted a breakfast to parents who wanted to talk about education, and it was the Friday Memorial Day weekend. That's the day that all of Nashville schools get out for right. the year. <laughs> it was like the worst timed <laughs> trip ever. Um, and we had over 10 parents at that breakfast talking about what they wanted for their students and what they believed could happen and how – you know, the current system just doesn't work of sitting in rows and students are bored and disengaged and um, they just feel like they don't have very many options or they're relying on the lottery. And it was really that conversation that I think cemented it. Um, I also realized that I'm a lot more than a principal. Like, I chose our building and our architect, um, who's Manuel Zeitlin and a genius. He's Shout wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's so wonderful. Um, and I, you know, I chose our furniture. We're working with Alfred Williams and just finalized that order with them. And, um, you know, at the same time, like, 
I've learned so much like around traffic regulation. I had to submit, (laughs) we had to submit a traffic study to be like, hey, you should let us do carpool and permitting. And, you know, there's so many things that like I didn't know. And what they were really doing over those six months was being like, okay, we know that she can run a school, but can she like actually manage this project? Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's almost like starting your own business. It is. It's like starting a business. Yeah. Um, do you, as you kind of enter into this, uh, education landscape that is in a lot of ways stuck in the past, do you anticipate any stigmas that as you do something that is so needed yet quite progressive for Nashville? Yeah. So I think the number one thing that helps people with the stigma part is our college acceptance rate. So 96% of our students go to one of their top three colleges in D.C. with 90% going to their number one choice. Um, And so like that's the power of the network is being able to be like, we've sent kids to college. We are accredited. and, like, yes, we are also approved by TSSAA, so your student can do a sport with us. Like, those are things that people wonder. Um, Nashville's education landscape is so interesting and fascinating. And um, I think, well, people use the, fa- or use the phrase all the time, like, small town, big city. And, like, the Nashville school community is the same way. And we have had so much support from the other private schools. So, like... USN has been so helpful. I think I've seen most (laughs) private schools in the area now. Um, Our academy dean or assistant principal is coming from Harpeth Hall, and they were so excited for her. So, um, like, they – like, she had been there for over a decade. She's a great team leader for them. But, like, they didn't have any more places for her to move up. And they were so happy that she's coming over. And they're like, what else can we do to support you? What else – you know, how else can we help and I just don't know anywhere else where people would be like, you're taking a great teacher. Right. <laughs> and we're excited for you. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's like the Nashville way. Also, because I worked in charter schools before, I've gotten to talk to a lot of their school leaders um, and public school leaders. But the thing is, is like Nashville has 80,000 students in public school right now. And in terms of private schools, like, not sure the exact number, but what we do know is that 70% of students in West Nashville will leave public school between fourth and fifth grade. Um, And so as a city, like, we have to do better by our kids and we have to think out of the box. We have to think, you know, how can we better serve you in a way that you actually like school (laughs) Um, because you just spend too much time there to be bored or to hate it. Um, And... Our goal with Blythe Templeton is not just to create a small community of about 300 students once we're fully grown um, and, like, this really innovative school where we're doing these projects and our students are going out on these trips and they're interning and they're, like, actually leaving for college ready. But our goal is to create open resources so that and, like, keep constant open doors so that the city of Nashville can come and learn from us and so that we can share what we're doing. Because it's not just about the 300 kids in our building. It's about the 80,000 others who deserve that type of education. Um, and I think no one works harder than Metro teachers, but they still have 30 kids in a class and limited time and sometimes um, – with, you know, different elements like the school board, it feels like they're not being supported. And so we want to be a place where they can come in and they know that they're supported and they can like leave with a project already planned for them or a lesson plan with standards. 
Um, but because the school community has been so good to us, like that's our goal is to give back and be a good steward of the city. Yeah, that's awesome. And some of the strategic partnerships you talked about, um, such as the libraries or the Entrepreneur Center, various museums, um, how are you solidifying do you, those partnerships? Do you have someone on your team that is designated to do that? Is that all your in your core? No, that is not my core. <laughs> so um, I have an amazing director or amazing operations coordinator, and she handles all of our external partnerships. Um, and so... She goes out and meets with different organizations, and then we sign a um, MOU, like mutual understanding agreement, um, so that feel, so that they like know we're coming right. and they know that like we're in this for the long haul. Um, and she's done an excellent job. So she's met with over eleven organizations so far. Um, so like, Climb Nashville is a partner. Um, the Adventure Science Center is a partner. The zoo. Did you know that you could take class at the zoo? So uh-huh. if you're in high school, you can actually go to the zoo and observe an animal for them for 100 hours and get credit because their zookeepers don't have enough time. Wow. I know. Um, And what she's found when she meets with partners is that they're looking for um, people who want to come back, who don't want to just come once a year. And so it's been really phenomenal to see that. And then we've also partnered with other businesses. So like, for example, we don't have a kitchen. Um, our building was built in 1895. Right. <laughs> We've got kitchenettes, but certainly not like a cafeteria-type kitchen. Yeah. Um, and so we partner with a catering group in East Nashville called Golden Roots, and parents can do a delivery system. Um, and so, like, that's another partner that we have um, to just try to give families options. Yeah, that's awesome. I wish I could have eaten Holly's food in high school. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> um. And another thing that I was kind of going off what we've discussed is just how there is kind of a lack of options in this category. Do you expect there to be more open up, more schools with the Blythe Templeton model or some rendition thereof to open up like really preschool through 12th grade and especially more schools in the urban core? Absolutely. So when I first started the conversation with Blythe Templeton, their um, head of school, she is a grandmother. And so she was transitioning from head of school to chief innovation officer. And they were like, hey, do you want to like, are you interested in running our D.C. campus? And I said, no, because I said no, because I said, you know, five years ago, Nashville wasn't ready for a model like this. The core did not look the way it does now. And five years from now, we won't be the only new player on the scenes. And so I think that timing is everything. And um, I think that we'll be the first of many. But I hope that that just means that families can have more options. And so for us, be, especially because we're a small school. So we're opening with 80. Next year we'll have 140. The year after we'll have 200. And then we'll max out at 300. Um, and that number comes from something called Duncan's number, which says you can maintain 150 relationships where you know a name and something about them. But once it gets beyond that, you can't really do that. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yes. So that's where our middle school and high school comes from. Um, But we know that we're not just building like a class. We're building a community. And so we're looking for families and and every kid needs something different. And so our goal is that ultimately every kid finds a place where they can shine. And so I think Nashville needs to continue to have more options. I think it'll be interesting to see 
who puts themselves in the core. Um, but I think it will go back to who they really want to serve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, do you see more Nashville natives or transplants in the student body that you guys have um, enrolled so far? And if either way, where have the transplants moved from? And that can kind of be a broader uh, picture of are their parents not from Nashville, even if they're the yeah, kid was born in Nashville. Yeah, born in Nashville. So I would say it's been really interesting because of our 65 families, all of them have heard about us from word of mouth. Like we can trace them back to another family with the exception of one who read about us in the Nashville Business Journal. <laughs> um, and I would say it's probably like a mix of both. So a lot of people have deep roots to Nashville. Some of them grew up here. Um, and then we, I would say the city that surprised me that we have multiple families from is L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, so they felt like L.A. was like too fast paced. They were spending a lot of time driving places. And so they would move here. Yeah. Um, and so we have a couple of families that that applies to. We have a couple of families from Austin, um, a couple of families from New York. Um, but generally, uh, mostly Nashville kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you live in Sylvan Park and you're, you work in Sobro. What in both of those neighborhoods are your favorite things? I, you know, I have a um, liking to the question, like, why Nashville? What are your Nashville recommendations go to? So that can be broad from activities, hobbies, or, you know, my favorite restaurants. <laughs> yeah. So we picked Sylvan Park. Sylvan Park was like our aspirational neighborhood when my husband was in business school. So we met when he moved down here to go to Owen and, um, we used to live on the other side of the Greenway off of White Bridge um, in this tiny duplex where we paid $700 a month, which you would never pay now. Yeah. Um, and we, like, lived off my teacher's salary while he was in his second year. And so when we came back, we were like, oh to live on the other side of the Greenway yeah. <laughs> um, because we had always been obsessed with Star Bagel. And so um, Star Bagel is like our go-to place. Like if I have to pick up breakfast, you're getting Star Bagel. <laughs> um, and then I think we've been just so impressed by how much it's grown. So um, we also love Answer, which is in the neighborhood. And um, it's like they've got great cocktails. Like if you're looking for a casual cocktail, an awesome service. Um, so um, – I am very pregnant right now, <laughs> and um, I was going out with my college friends, and I stopped, and we had reservations at Answer, and I stopped by and talked to the owner ahead of time, and like they, I was like, I'm going to order a cocktail, and I need you to make it look like a cocktail, and they were like, done, <laughs> and so That's like awesome. I came in that night, and like they're just good at remembering who you are and like the hospitality, and so we love that, um, and then also our real estate agent was like, yeah, what's great about your location is you can walk to Sylvan Park and Charlotte. And we're like, is this a selling point? (laughs) Um, And Charlotte dramatically changed in the past three years that we're gone. And so um, my first week back, I ate at Five Points Pizza five out of seven days. (laughs) Like I was so excited to have a location on the west side because I had always like driven over to the east side for it. And it was like a special occasion. And now I was like, oh my gosh, we can go here all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So those are like some of the things that we really enjoy about our neighborhood. And then we're big fans of the Greenway. And uh, we walk down to climb Nashville. I'm not climbing right now, but um, 
next year we'll have a rock climbing club at school. Cool. Um, and so I'm actually the sponsor. I was like, I live right there. Yeah, I'll just walk easy. down. <laughs> um, and then in terms of Sobro, I think, well, one, we we didn't know our location. I did all of my meetings out of Pinewood Social. And I would walk people over and I'd be like, I think this is going to be our building. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, just like the space that they've made is absolutely incredible. And the way that people feel welcome there all the time. Um, and so now I look back and laugh because, like, one of our family, Susan, rolled. I was like, they met with me in August. And I was like, yeah, so I think we're going to be here. Maybe this is what it'll look like. We'll figure out teachers. <laughs> you know, like, you're selling people on this vision. Right. But at the same time, you have to really execute on it. And now it's nice because they're like, we know half of your teaching staff. And, like, they're standing in the building and their daughter is enrolled. Right. Um, but super grateful to the vision of Pinewood Social. And then I don't think that people realize that Husk has like a really affordable lunch. And so if you're gonna if you're looking for like a good lunch, you can get their burger for $14. I mean, you'll pay just as much going to like a Panera or like yeah, a general lunch. And it's amazing. <laughs> right. But I feel like I've been going too much because the waitress introduced herself. <laughs> and then and like knows me by name and then she'll be like you're regular and then she'll ask me about the school and my husband was like that is bad if the husk waitress and you are like on a first name basis i was like oh i should probably stop you found going. the loophole <laughs> yeah i love that that's awesome um and what for you does community look like in nashville yeah, so I grew up in the area. Holly from Golden Roots and I are actually childhood best friends. Really? <laughs> yeah, That's we've awesome. known each other since we were 10. I love that. Um, and then I went to UT, so a lot of my friends from college are here. Our commercial real estate agent, I knew him from college. Um, and then we, part of the reason that we chose Sylvan Park is because um, – my husband went to Owen, and so, like, our closest friends um, are all actually here. Like, they might have moved away, but they moved back, and they live – we all live within one square mile of each other. So they predominantly live in the nations. But it's so nice to be like, hey, it's a Friday. We're stopping for drinks at meal. Do you want to come? Or, you know, just being able to pop by mm-hmm. um, because in D.C. we didn't have that. Um, and then – of course, my family, like, right. never got to have dinner with my sisters when I lived in D.C. Right. Um, and so that's really nice. And I think we've expanded our community some because we've joined a church that's downtown. Um, McKendree United Methodist. And it is a church that really looks like the city. So you'll see everything, like, from people from Belmead to homeless and all different races there. And they, like, said that to us. And we are like— Really? Like, what kind of place in Nashville actually yeah, looks like that? Exists. But it does. That's and it's awesome. really impressive what they've done in terms of that. And so that's, like, one more way that we've expanded our community since being back. Yeah, that's great. So for you, what does a day in the life look, or look like right now? Well, it's crazy. So <laughs> um, I, if I need to do something really big picture, um, like, for example— the other day, I was like, wow, I am, like, just killing it on this budget. Like, I've got such a surplus for salaries. What is happening? And I, like, said that to my husband. And he was like, did you uh, give anyone benefits? And I did not. <laughs> 
I was like, what? (laughs) He's like, yeah, you got to give people benefits, (laughs) like their health benefits. You pay for that now. And so, like, if I have to do a big project, like, going through our Excel spreadsheet and figuring out how much I need to save for everyone's benefits. Or if I need to do scheduling, like what I'll do is I generally wake up around five or six. I'll do that for like an hour for the uninterrupted time. And then um, I'm pretty obsessed with cycling. So we have a Peloton. Um, I love to run and that went as soon as I got pregnant. (laughs) Um, I was really sick and you only threw up one time in Sylvan Park on Tuesday morning where a neighbor stops where you're like, no, no, not hungover, just just pregnant, right. you know, before you're like, I'm not doing that anymore. So, um, and I got really into Soul Cycle when we were in D.C., mm-hmm. um, and I did not try the cycling bars here, so I don't know how they stack up, but it is nice to have one in my house. Yeah. Um, and so I generally do a Peloton ride, and then I'll answer emails. We always walk our dog, hopefully, together, like on an ideal morning, um, because it's a nice time for us to connect, and our neighborhood is beautiful. Um, and then I'm generally in the office by 9, and it it's everything, right? Like, so I'll have a meeting from discussing insurance to picking out paint colors to meeting with prospective families, um, you know. I'll call. Well, we're fully hired now, which we're really excited about. But we interviewed over 70 candidates. So it could have looked like that. Um, But generally, we go from 9 to 5 and then um, and try to meet with – and families are always our very, very top priority. So, like, if a family needs something, like, they are our customer. They're buying into our vision. They're taking this risk with us of startup. And they're, like, there's no bigger compliment or privilege than for a family to send their student to your school. Um, and so we do lots of other things in between. Um, and I joke that – and then a lot of times, probably one night a week, I go to some sort of networking event. Um, the Nashville Business Journal events are awesome. I've been really impressed with those. Um, sometimes there's a school event or like a Vanderbilt event that I need to go to and then like I'll dress up and that's like the glamorous side of school leadership but like what you don't see is like me bringing my vacuum from home and vacuuming (laughs) up right before the third floor or hand stapling 160 packets for the new student reception because the copy machine doesn't have staples in it yet (laughs) like the and so yeah I do all of those things and um, I think that's what makes startup great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. So any advice that you would give to listeners who have children, live in an urban neighborhood, and are trying to determine next steps for their kids? Yeah. So I would say visit the school. You're going to know the right fit for your kid. And there is a place for every student to shine. And if it's not like Templeton, it might be your neighborhood public school, or it might be like a Montessori private school that you didn't even know existed. And then, of course, there's, like, the stellar, you know, private schools that everyone's heard of. But you just should visit because you're going to know when you walk in um, if it's the right place for your student. And you, like, I equate it to being, like, a feeling. But it, like, you just have to, like, trust your heart. Um And it is, like, your biggest trust because it's your child. Um, But you'll know the right fit. And I think the biggest thing is is ask questions, talk to other moms, you know, sit down. And I 
one of my moms, she's sending her ninth grader to us, but is considering switching over her fifth grader. Um, and I said, you know, I would love to talk to you about what he needs, but it doesn't even have to be us. Like it could be someone else because we want him to be at the best place for that kid. Um, and so, you know, if you want to go through all the options, like we can go through all the options. And I think that families should look for the school that really wants the right fit for that kid, not a school that's saying like, well, are you the right fit for us? Yeah. Totally. Cool. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> sharing for with me. us today. Um, loved learning more about your story and Blythe Templeton and all the exciting opportunities it's going to bring for families to Nashville. So listeners, stay tuned as they open up in the fall. And, um, if and we you, have 15 more spots. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Plug. If you're interested, <laughs> please come look. Take a yeah. tour. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks again. And um, we'll... Uh, look forward to continuing to follow your success. Thank you so much, Elam. Have a great day. Please reach out to share your experiences with us by emailing newinnashvillepodcast at gmail.com. You can also sign up for our mailing list and access our social media at www.newinnashvillepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, please review and subscribe on iTunes and refer our podcast to a friend today. Thank you to Jared Anderson of Evergreen Productions for producing and engineering our podcast. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time. The music in this episode is provided by Carrie Ann Larson. She is a singer-songwriter who strives to write songs that people hear their own stories in. You can find her music, including her latest single, Fairweather Friend, on all digital platforms.